Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Pop Culture Quorum Deo. This is Jeff Wright, one of your regular hosts. Jared Moore is off on PhD assignment this time, uh, but don't fear. I've got good stuff lined up for you. I am here with my friend, Terry Gant. Terry is a man who has worn multiple hats. He's been an officer of the law, classical school educator and administrator, and he recently opened Walls of Books in Cookville, Tennessee. Now, Terry, I would say that's a used and new bookstore. Yeah, mostly used, but we also have new. Yeah. Uh, one of the great additions to our community in my lifetime, sir. Uh, he's also a fellow church member uh, at Midway, where I pastor. He's in our leadership development pipeline. Thoughtful guy and a good conversation. We started talking about Stranger Things Season 3, and I thought, man, we ought to record this. And so Terry's here. Terry, thanks for joining me, man. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Glad to, I'm excited to talk about it. Those of you who have listened to the feed for a long time may recognize that voice. Terry was on the inaugural and thus far only episode of Civics Quorum Deo, the uh, the project that has not died but is it's on life support. I guess I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe it's in cryo storage. Uh, it's hibernating. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Nick Duncan, wherever you're at, man, we're thinking about you. Um, I think he's in Idaho this week, actually. I think you're right. Yeah. He's out there learning, getting that good education. Well, Terry, so we're going to talk about Stranger Things Season 3. Yeah. Were you, you know, where did you meet the series? Were you like the day it dropped the first time on Netflix you were tuning uh, in? Not exactly the first day, but it was pretty early on. Um, I I'm not a, I don't watch a ton of TV, um, so I, I prefer movies usually. And um, so when this came on Netflix, I heard um, the murmurings about how good it was. Mm-hmm. So I got into it maybe a week or two after it dropped. I mean, it was pretty soon. So I would say I've been on more or less from the beginning, but not, I wasn't, you know, in excited anticipation of it from before it released. So. Well, so then, so what happens when season two and season three drops? Are I you like an early excited. watcher? Yeah, I, I was ready. I was definitely ready for season two. Season three snuck up on me again, just because I didn't hear, I didn't hear that it was coming out. I expected it to come out at Halloween and somebody said, oh, it's going to be out like next week. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, here it is. And so, um, again, within a couple of days of it dropping, I, I started watching that too. So Sure. Well, so were, were you as a kid watching the stuff that it's riffing off of now? Like I, your time, your, your age doesn't square up with all this, but like Goonies, are you a Goonies sure, fan? Yeah. Um, yeah, Lost I was, Boys? I was born in 86. So, yeah. um, early nineties was when I was old enough to start watching movies and stuff. And those movies were, they were not brand new, but they were still pretty new and pretty popular at the mm-hmm. time. So yeah. Um, Goonies. I'm trying to think of the other. I mean, like Lost Boys. Did you mention that one? Yeah, that'd be one. Um, yeah, um, it's probably on the darker side of the yeah. spectrum. But but just sort of the 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 teens and preteen team up to be to battle evil. Oh, there's one I wish I could remember the name of uh, Monster Monster Squad. Squad. Monster Squad. Yeah, um, that was another one that was pretty fun. Um, but just things like that. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the concept and the setting. Generally, was really good. I like the '80s. I'm a big fan of '80s music. Um, this season had a great soundtrack, lots of lots of cool songs on it that were pretty well used. So, yeah. It's funny you mentioned Monster Squad. Uh, my regular co-host on these, Jared Moore, is a huge fan of that movie. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't, you know, I mean, I've watched a lot of stuff. Obviously, I have a pop culture podcast. Um, I had not watched that movie until last year. Yeah. And I was like, how did I miss this? Yeah. This is everything I like about movies. It's fun, yeah. yeah. Uh, it had a lot of fun things in it. So I yeah. like that one. Maybe we'll, we'll bring you back on with Jared sometime, do a round table on it, like as a 30th year anniversary or yeah. whatever. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we should. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I guess um, 
I guess I'd like to just start off with with this season. What do you think worked in season three of Stranger Things? We went, we got a shorter season. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's gotten some criticism, so we'll we'll save that for a little while. Yeah. Uh, but what do you? I mean, what are the highlights for you? All right. So, well, the 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 things that work this season are the things that have always worked pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, the the very clear narrative, good versus evil, worked. Um, the uh, just the characters that are back, just to see them back. I think one of the flaws in the season is that there were several of the characters that didn't have enough to do that was substantial. Um, so that was a little bit of a bummer, but they were present and they had lines and they had things to say. And so I was just glad to see them all together again. Yeah. Um, the music, of course, was good. The setting was great. The One of the things that, that jumped out at me that was really noticeable this season was the detail in the, the sets. Um, the mall that they built was really great. It was a really incredible set. Um, I don't know where they where they found that, or if it's if it's something they built just for this, like if it was really a set, or if they just went and found a mall. Because I mean, it had all these old eighties, like they had a Walden books in there that you could see yeah. over their shoulder, and I remember the Walden books. I remember going to those, um, and uh, the Taco Bell logo that kept being on the back wall. That was the eighties version. I mean, there was just a lot of detail. It was really a cool place to do it, and malls being such an important cultural factor in the eighties. So. Absolutely, and and it was. Uh it was fun to go back to that. I mean, I know that's the appeal there, but I had the same way. Like malls were a big deal to me growing up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I grew up in in a situation kind of like Hawkins, but mm-hmm. maybe smaller. So we went like two hours away to get to a mall like that. Yeah. Um, you you lived as a child in Nashville, right? right. The entire time. What was malls? What would have been the nearest mall to you? Hickory Hollow. Uh, there was two malls in Nashville at the time that I was growing up: Hickory Hollow and Rivergate Mall. Um, and one of them was like kind of Hendersonville, North Nashville. The other one's Antioch, South Nashville. And I remember really enjoying going to the mall because they were just big. They had these big atrium spaces and lots of things that were interesting in their arcades. I mean, just like classic stuff. So. Well, I ask that because I'm just curious. How much of your social life connected to the mall? Not any, really. If I went, it was with my family. I didn't live close enough to the mall for that to be like the place where we just kind of lurked around. Mm-hmm. Now, I say that. Um, but when I got to about eighth grade, they completed Opry Mills Mall. Um, and we would go linger around there. So that that actually, now that I think about it, we did do a lot of that. Opry Mills felt really different from an 80s mall, I guess you could say. Um, they clearly had, it was updated and stuff. But it's the same general idea. Big food court, lots of stores. Um, didn't have any money, didn't have any reason to be there, but it was a place where you could safely loiter. And so we did. Well, that's exactly what I, why I was going to ask you that, because I would go again, redneck boy goes to the city, you know, country mouse is here. And I would look at the kids who were like clearly in their element. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I was a little overawed. And I'm like, they, those guys are living the life, man. They can go to Hot Topic <laughs> yeah. anytime they want to. Yeah. They don't know. They don't know. There's a Barnes and Noble in there and they can just go sit in there. Anytime they want. Yeah. There's an arcade. Now, our little dinky mall here in Cuba had an arcade, but mm-hmm. it just, uh, it, it was like the ranch home equivalent of a, of a mall. Okay. You know, it was yeah. all one level and yeah. Kind of wide. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the like temple to commerce that that these actual malls <laughs> yeah, work. Yeah. You know? uh, that, and not to linger too long on the mall thing. Have you read Jamie Smith's uh, "You Are What You Love"? I yeah, feel like I you so. read that. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he talks about like the liturgies of everyday life, and he mm-hmm. talks about the mall as his introductory. Yeah. 
uh, example of that. And and going back to Hawkins Star Court or whatever, yeah. it, it felt like important, cool things were there. Yeah, and all you had to have to access them was money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it's like well, even for the kids, they, there's there's an, there's a couple of parts where. Um, again, like, you know, when, when Max takes 11 shopping, mm-hmm. I remember say, I remember actually turning to my wife and saying, they need to have a line in there about somebody having money. And they never did. They never said anything. And I guess we're just meant to assume that they had allowance or whatever. But, um, I mean, you don't just go to the Gap and buy a whole bunch of stuff and, you know, for nothing. And it was just kind of this fun little thing that they did. And I guess that's fine. It, that wasn't really the point of the scene. But. It, it also could have worked if they just were like, let's just go to the mall and bum around the mall, you know, because even if you had no money, you could do that. Yeah, you could get, get a slushie or something. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. You know, the guy working at the ice cream place, go get the ice cream for free or, you know, whatever. So. Well, and particularly they had that hookup to like, I don't know if malls really work this way, but like where they could backdoor their way into the movie yeah, theater. Yeah. I was like, dude, that would have been my ultimate. I know. If, if I could have played basketball, then went and did that in the afternoon, yeah. I would have been in child nirvana, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but you're right. They they got the mall thing. Uh, they got it super right, and it was it was fun. My kids have gotten into '80s pop music, okay. kind of apart yeah. from my intentions. And uh, Tiffany, I think we're alone now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're really big into Tiffany. Yeah. I think we're that's alone. A real, that's a great like roller rink song. <laughs> One hundred. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not saying go do this, but if you if you go watch the video, it's all about the Ogden Mall. Oh, okay. And, and she's at the Ogden, Utah Mall, which I don't know about you. That sounds like the cultural mecca of hipness in the '80s Certainly. to me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she's just you know all around the mall, living living her best life then. <laughs> <laughs> then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, I've got multiple streams converging sure. here. Well, so anyway, sets sets is something that worked. I think that it was a really uh, it was, and then the fair, the festival that they had, that was another fun uh, fun set. Very nostalgic. Um, I mean, it's getting to be county fair season now here, so that stuff is really. I mean, it still strikes close to home. And there's something even about going to a fair today in 2019. That feels like, you know, the Sandlot kids are going to come running through with the dog Norman Rockwell's yeah. painting it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's something about those fairs that's just kind of fun and pure, which actually made for some really good set pieces in the show because it was a kind of a contrasting, uh, you know, American innocence with the, this sort of evil empire kind of encroaching on that. Yeah. Well, on that note, I'm just going to go ahead and tell our listeners, if you hadn't expected this already, here's your warning. We're going to spoil all kinds of plot details. Sure. And so... Uh, fair warning, if you press on from here, you're going to find out details about the season three plot. And uh, we're going to do it unashamedly because we assume you're you're still listening. Yeah, if you, You've had long enough to watch it. Yeah. Uh, the thing that works so well for me on the particular point you're making about the fair is the character of Alexi, the, mm-hmm. or, or Shmurnoff, I guess is yeah. what they called yeah. him. Uh, Dr. Scientist. Yes, there you go. Uh I, we've been watching this miniseries on HBO called Chernobyl fairly recently, too, which is incredible. And I'm, you and I have similar economic convictions. It is such an indictment of socialism. Mm-hmm. And seeing seeing Chernobyl close on the heels of this made the scene of Shmirnov walking around the bear much more poignant to me. Because yeah. I thought, this guy just came out of you know basically a cold, gray stripped of vitality socialistic environment mm-hmm. he's he's literally getting a taste of the good life through those sure. strawberry and cherry slushies yeah, the kind of stuff we just waste money on because we value it 100% and he you know he would have been standing there like if you look at Pripyat where 
where Chernobyl was located. It was a, it was a planned city for the workers. Mm-hmm. And they gave them some real benefits. There was like a, a, a Ferris wheel and a merry-go-round there for them to just use. But that was incredibly rare. That was one of the privileged cities yeah. of, of Russia in the time. And I just thought this guy would, it, it would have literally felt like a new world to him. Yeah. He's, he's fiable. The middle of nowhere, Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I have no beef with Indiana, but we're talking about a, a, a world of entertainment and enjoyment and fun and and bad food and just goofy stuff and it's not all the gifts a, of capitalism. A particularly special place you could sure. do that anywhere in America because it's free place. So. Sure, sure. Uh, when he when he caught it in the chest, I I really was affected in a way that I thought hey, he's a throwaway character. He's here to mm-hmm. he you know he's here to further the plot. Basically, we need somebody who knows how to he's do the science. Positional yeah. Kind of, yeah, friend, yeah, and move him on. Um, Okay. What I mean, this is supposed to be a scary movie, and I, I felt like there was some real scare chops in season one. The Demogorgon is kind of a lasting yeah. image. Um, what do you think about the scares in in this season? Uh, mediocre to light. Um, I the I'm not a big a jump scare person. Mm-hmm. I, I, jump scares, in my opinion, have to be earned, or I kind of have contempt for them. That's not to say they don't make me spaz out if I'm watching something. They jump out, whatever. But I don't really find them entertaining unless it's uh, it's been built. To mm-hmm. um, and there's really not very many shows and or movies where those that kind of thing like really works for me. Like sometimes I just kind of watch in spite of it. But um, the first season. I think one of the cool things about it is that I really had no expectations and I knew almost nothing about the plot of it when I started. So, for example, with season with episode one or two, I can't remember. I guess it was probably episode one where Will goes missing. We see him going home from a D and D match, um, and they or a D and D game, and they and he's by the woods, and then something happens to him. And at that point, I didn't know what it was. I had no sure. clue. Could have been a psycho killer. Could have been a ghost. It could have been. A mean old dog. It could have been anything, and it turns out to be this pretty complicated mythology that they built with the Demogorgon and then the Upside Down and all that. Well, they've they've kind of released that like that information's out there now, mm-hmm. so we know what the Upside Down is. We don't know very much about it, but we know that there. And then, of course, in season two, they reveal that there's some sort of arch intelligence that we've seen kind of through the shadows, and um, and so that is scary. I think that. The uh, mind flayer was scarier when he was over there as opposed to when he came through because the monster this season wasn't very frightening to me. Um, the effects were pretty neat before he became the big kind of goofy monster. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, like the exploding rats and like the melting people was a pretty creepy effect and it was pretty well executed. Like it looked very real. But um, when he became the big, big kind of gooey monster, I just wasn't that impressed by it. In fact, one of my favorite sequences in the whole series is the scene where Dustin and what's her name? What's the character's name? That is it, Susie? That he's his girlfriend? In oh Utah, yeah, yeah. Where he she makes him sing the the theme song from the Neverending Story, and and they're in the station wagon. Like there's three groups, and they're all kind of listening to this on the radio, reacting, which is pretty funny. But it's a good comic relief sequence. But the Mind Flayer monster is chasing the station wagon full of people. And you can see him because of the way the framing is. And they're singing this song complete with music. And there's the Mind Flayer monster just like jogging down the road behind. It's this really goofy looking um, like kind of weebly. It almost looked like it was dancing along. And so I kind of liked that scene because the Mind Flayer monster just didn't impress me very much. Mm -hmm. And to see him kind of lampooned unintentionally was fun. But um, 
Yeah, I did like the Billy character. Uh-huh. I thought that was much, I thought they they probably should have used him more because he's a really good actor too. That's what uh, we'll sidebar that. But I came away. I, you know, I thought Billy was just there to be the mulleted jerk. Sure, you know, because that's what he wasn't too. So. And they intimated that he was going to be like a racist because his little sister was dating a black kid. And so mm-hmm. I was like, okay, he's going to be the dumping ground for all that. Yeah, yeah. And he he definitely has the look. Like he looks like a young Johnny Depp or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, but. Yeah, they did a whole lot more with him in a way that I was impressed with his acting chops. And I kind of miss him now. I'm like, yeah. well, I wish we could have had him back. Yeah. Uh, to, to the point about the Mind Flayer, though, I was, uh, I'm was i totally with you in that, like, when we saw him in the Upside Down in the um, the inverse of Hawkins, mm-hmm. and he's this looming he's shadow. Huge. He's a huge shadow. But it's I think it's the it's, – this is kind of the – here's a parallel for you. So when Silence of the Lambs came out – People were horrified of Hannibal Lecter, but Hannibal Lecter was stuck in a cell the whole movie, mm-hmm. right? He was, and then right until the very end. Or let's let's see, did he get out? I don't even. It's remember pretty that. far in the movie. He, yeah. they basically yeah, take yeah, him yeah. to a temporary That's cage. Right. He's in like a gym. I remember. Yeah. That. So when the sequel started coming out, when they started doing the sequel movies, people thought he was much less frightening than he was when he was incarcerated, and it's partly because like. It wasn't his phys- – like, he's just kind of an old guy. Like, he's not – it's not like he can overpower you if you see him coming, you know? Mm-hmm. There's something about his intelligence that's frightening, and that can't really be enclosed. And I think that's true of the mind flare as well. Like, he's more frightening, in my opinion, as a brain working against them, like a will that opposes them, as opposed to, like, a big gooey thing that's there to, like, punch them or whatever. Yeah, that's a great point. Because when he's in the Upside Down, he's the shadow form. Mm-hmm. He's not really bounded by time and space. Like, he can reach tendrils of smoke into everywhere. He can can wait. You know, he seems eternal. There's something about him that just seems like he's been there long before we got here. And there's a... There was just a looming dread of him that... And I don't think that's necessarily spoiled. They could probably get it back. Because this this creature that was in this one was clearly like a... Remnant or something. It was like an avatar of him or something. Like, he wasn't the real Mind Flayer, but... Which we assume is just on the other side of that gate, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I will tell you, like, I don't normally go for body horror. I don't like gore. Yeah. Uh, and I love horror movies, but I just don't go for bloody stuff. Sure. Yeah, it's not necessary in my opinion. But up until, like, up until the meat flare was up in a grill the whole time, you know what I mean? The the people, like, devolving into goo that was mobile. Yeah. Really, I don't want to say, like, it didn't give me nightmares or anything, but it was just disturbing. Like, in a way, I didn't expect. I kind of... I kind of feel like my scare meter is beyond what Stranger Things can touch. Yeah, but what they want to touch. I mean, they yeah, that's true. Go there, yeah, that's true. But there's this scene, you know, season uh, episode five or six, where like the possessed people are coming down. That was the most frightening scene. In the sh- I know exactly the one you're talking. They're and, like in line waiting, and they're yeah. doing like the Michael Jackson shuffle yeah. from sh- uh, Thriller, but then they collapse into this yeah. goop. They just kind of f- flop over, yeah, and disintegrate, and their clothes are kind of getting pulled into and. See, there was a lot of good detail in the way that you yeah. did that. Yeah. So that was cool. That that was the one for me as well. I just thought, okay, guys, you, you, you've earned your scary chops. You yeah. Know? Like, I, I can tell people legitimately this has some That was a horrifying fate. And so in that, like, sort of higher concept sense, it, you did not want to be 
you did not want to be infected by this thing because that was going to be what happened to you eventually. Yeah. When he got done using you for walking around town doing stuff. Right. So I guess also the um, like the meat tubes, it would shoot out to look for people in the mall. I thought that was yeah. kind of gross. But it's nothing we haven't seen with like Star Wars. Yeah. For, you yeah. know, all the years. War of the Worlds. I remember that was there was a whole sequence in War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise where they were hiding from eyeballs on hoses. On stalks or, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, that, that's been kind of done. Um, they didn't do that too much, I don't think, because there was only only one sequence I can remember where they're kind of hiding from them. The, the other problem that I have with the Mind Flayer is that the rules were pretty unclear mm. um, about like – because it seemed like every once in a while – it shared pain with its ho- with its little hosts, but it didn't. Did I don't know if it worked backwards? Because so like the sequence where Nancy and Jonathan are in the hospital, which I have a lot of problems with this scene. Okay, um, so they go up there the second time to find. Uh, Mrs. Davenport, I think, is the character's name. This is the old lady who called them about the rats initially. They went and found her. She had been eating um, ammonium nitrate or whatever. Went to the hospital and was uh, obviously cracked and wanted to go back to the source. So the plan is to let's follow her so we can find this thing and destroy it. So they go back there. She's gone. Um, the editor of the newspaper and the blonde guy who was a jerk, whose name I never got, um, were, were there. And it's clearly they've been, they've been flayed. So they're now possessed by whatever the mind flayer system is. I don't know if sure. it's like a disease or what, but, um, they're, they're that now. And so they are, they're running from them. Now at the, the scene begins, they're in a hospital. They go upstairs. There's no one around. Great. This is so far so good because if you're observant, you'll notice that and you'll be like, well, clearly something's really wrong here. Mm-hmm. And if you aren't, then you're probably going to get jump scared and that's also fine. But there's a there's an ominous feel to the whole scene when they start. So that's good. No jump scare. The guy just steps out and says, ah, we were waiting on you. We're going to get you. So they start a chase sequence and they find their way into a part of the hospital that's under construction or renovated or whatever. But also accessible. But also you can get in and also there's medical stuff everywhere. Mm -hmm. So they go into like a surgery room that's under construction and there's like surgery tools laid out on tables, which is not the way hospitals work. I'm pretty sure. I've never been a doctor. That seems a little far-fetched, but obviously they're there so they can use them to fight. and Sure. Or to be just, ominous. It just kind of seems like they kind of needed to pick either a hospital or a construction site, and they sure. try to do both. But later on, there's another sequence where the Mind Flayer, those two guys are now goo, and they're gooing under the door to get Nancy. And it's under construction still. It's like sheeting and, and unfinished drywall and whatnot. So the door's locked. Jonathan can't get in. So he turns around, and behind him, there's these oxygen tanks, which wouldn't be in a hospital that's under construction. Because they explode. You don't want them near construction equipment. <laughs> so it's he picks cool. them up and starts beating on the door handle. And I'm thinking, they could have just put a monkey wrench right there. Sure. Because you know, that, that makes sense. They're built, They're working on stuff. Just grab a pipe wrench and start wailing away on the door. Or do the ever-present, unrealistic, but excusable fireman's axe. You know, sure. those are in movies all the time. Nobody ever has those in real buildings. <laughs> but they're all over the place in movies and TVs. <laughs> And um, it was just that kind of attention to detail that they kind of lacked in a few places kind of got under my skin. But um, the uh, – what was my original point? I don't even remember now. Well, we were talking about like the body horror of the mind flayer. yes. My complaint about the rules, right? So the two guys separate. One is going after Nancy, blonde guy, and then Tom, the editor, is staying with Jonathan. Jonathan's losing pretty badly at that point. He's still in the surgery wing, and it looks like Tom's about to stab him with some scissors or something. And Nancy manages to hide and ding the blonde guy in the face with a fire extinguisher hard enough to knock some of his teeth out. It looked like a really hard shot. It's a good, you know, it's a good action sequence. Well, this affected Tom. 
in the same way. It cut away to him and it shows him. He's got like his face is black, like the, um, you know, it showed like where the the wound would have been. It's uh-huh. like, kind of like the effect of the mind flare under your skin kind of thing. She hits him a few more times. Same thing happens. Um, and then they both end up dropping dead basically because they share pain. Like the injury of one affects the other one. Which seems like a huge liability if you're the mind flayer. Like, okay. so how many of those guys were there and were they all getting hit in the face? Must not yeah. have been because they would all have died. Do they have to be close to each other? Does this affect the mind flayer too? Does he feel that? Is he like somewhere? Like he's running through his Wi-Fi. Yeah. Send the pain uh, over. And then and then later on when they're throwing fireworks at the big guy in the end, Billy is like flailing around like, oh, this burns. And you know, he didn't say that, but it's clear that it's injuring him too. And so they just, they didn't really establish the rules for like mm-hmm. what does what to who and when. And they're just like, that's important for a viewer to be able to follow what's going on. Like, if, if you're going to do the shared pain thing, it needs to be either always or you need to say when it is. Like, they have to be close to each other. That's easy. One-line dialogue can fix that or, you know, just whatever. But Just explain needed, it. Yeah, they needed some more of that. And so that was a little unclear about the creature. So um, so he had he had some flaws. The monster did. He wasn't the best. The Demogorgon, to me, was much more frightening. Yeah. Partly because it was stealthy. Like, he could hide. And this thing was just like a giant sort of T-Rex stomping around. Sure. Scary in the sense that he could kill him, but you can see him. And absorb him. Plan for him. Yeah. Um, the Demogorgon was much more uh, frightening, yeah. I guess. Yeah, all that's a good point. I I mean, I guess here in a minute I'm going to get into some of the stuff that didn't work. But the the reality for me is I can, I can suspend my disbelief to a pretty high degree mm-hmm. as long as the rules in the world are clear and consistent. Yeah, that's, that's consistency is key, I think. And if you can give me a world that is internally consistent, I'm almost always willing to be like, okay, that's just how it works here. Sure. Yeah. And so to whatever degree, I mean, I think the Duffer brothers are incredible storytellers. Yeah, I think they are too. They've proved that. Yeah. But, I, you know, in a, in a way, I kind of want to explore a little bit more here in a minute. Uh, I do feel like this this season took some storytelling shortcuts yeah, that I don't remember from the first two. Mm-hmm. Um, but before before we go over there, uh, one of the things that super worked for me this season, what you referenced him, uh, it's it's Jake Busey. It's Gary's son, Jake, Okay, is the the loudmouth newspaper man. Oh, yeah. Okay. I can see the resemblance now that you mentioned it. Well, when you say it, I can see the resemblance. He's also in a movie that I have a lot of affection for called The Frighteners, which was a Michael J. Fox movie a long time ago. I remember The Frighteners. He, to me, is the best proof we have that human cloning has been attempted. Like, (laughs) he looks so much like his dad and has the mannerisms. Oh, he was in the the latest Predator, too. I don't know if you saw that one. No, I didn't. I skipped that one. (laughs) Yeah, you didn't make a bad choice there. Yeah. Uh, But I'm I'm like, man. That is straight up Gary Busey back from uh, not the dead, but yeah, yeah. back from old age, back from wherever he is now. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. the other thing with Jake is, I'm like, I'm just glad you own this man. Like, I'm yeah. glad you're like, I'm not going to cut a new path. Sure, I'm just going to do what my dad did. Made living at it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real, for real. Um, well, let's talk about some things that didn't work. I, I don't know if that. I think most people who are listening to this or watching this show are going to be celebratory. Yeah, I think I generally am too. There was I, I overall enjoyed it. Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of enough, right? Mm-hmm. Like everybody showed up to watch this thing as quickly as we could, mm-hmm. and nobody is sworn off the season. There's been some, I think, unthoughtful criticism of the show, but I think it's from people who just need clicks. Sure, and like come up with something to criticize. Sure. 
that doesn't mean though that the series or the season was was perfect. You already the talked weakest about. in my opinion. Of okay, yeah. that's a good way to get into this. So you would say season three is number three in terms of quality. Yeah, and I would say it's it's fairly distant behind two, and two is a little bit behind one. Well, okay, so uh, I think season two is great, mm-hmm. except for that weird uh, episode where Elle goes to join the street yeah, gang. Yeah, that felt like a writer's strike episode, in my no opinion. No kidding, man. Like, <laughs> it was so out of left field. It was like, well, we have this just in case there's a writer's strike. We got this episode we can just kind of pull out. Um, and uh, it didn't have hardly any bearing. I think they needed her to do something so that they could be in a tight spot when she got back. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what it felt like. Or like ramp up her powers. Yeah. You know, like maybe she did some like yeah. training with that other person or whatever. But And then they explained, they, they expounded a little bit on her origins there. Like, oh, there's yeah. multiple of them. Yeah. Which to me, that might be something we can look forward to for four. Because I know if they hand, well, we can talk about that at the end. But um, yeah, I'm assuming they're going to do a four anyway. I think they will. But um, yeah. That was weird. That was a weird episode. I didn't like it either. Um, and so but. much came out of season two, even that they played with here, like uh, Dustin and Steve becoming friends yeah. and walking the railroad tracks. Like, if you could pull that weird street gang episode out, it'd be my favorite season. Yeah. But I am left sort of thinking that season one's the best. It is the best, yeah. And I, I, I don't know. I almost feel like that's a cop out. It feels like nostalgia. And now this is a series built on nostalgia. Sure. But I, I just think season one was the tightest. I think it was too. It was very clear. Like they just they had a lot of stuff to do. They had to do a lot of establishment. They had to do a lot. I mean, every every scene it felt like. And I'm sure if I went back and watched it now, I could find a few things to to point at and be like, eh, that was weak. But um, I don't really remember anything. Um, yeah, right. This, at this point, and um, I mean, season two, the big, the big one was that one episode that was just out of left field. But it had a couple of other things that I would say were a little weaker. Um, but it was still really enjoyable. And I think the same is true for three. It's behind two, um, which is certainly behind one, and uh, still enjoyable. It's, I think it's still riding a little bit of the horsepower just from me enjoying the premise so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, they could probably make a lot more mistakes than they did and still have me and, and I would still enjoy it, but it makes me worry about four. <laughs> so, yeah, it is amazing that like, I'm a guy who I love horror. If, if any genre, I'm going to pick horror first, basically maybe action, mm-hmm. uh, action schlock. <laughs> yeah, sure. Give me horror schlock or action schlock. Um, but my wife doesn't care for horror at all. Mm-hmm. We're both really enthusiastic about Stranger Things. Yeah, yeah. And I don't feel like it's weak sauce when it comes to horror. I don't think it's the you yeah. know most undiluted version, but I enjoy it. Well, it depends on what you mean by horror. I think that's a term that has some drift a little mm-hmm. bit to it. So, Because some people, horror is like, well, how many people die and how weird is it when they die? Like what kind of weird things are, are done to kill them? And yeah, um, that's not really what I think of as horror either. Um, but uh, yeah, this is legitimate horror, I think, in most cases. And yet it appeals to... It's still Definitely that that brand of horror that sits that side that kind of straddles with science fiction, mm-hmm, and that's sure. my favorite kind. Like the thing is probably my favorite scary movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's kind of in the same vein as that sort of a Lovecraftian horror. Well, yeah, and the body horror from the thing, then yeah. kind of the practical effects, or yeah. Of course, they didn't do that here, but the computer effects have come such a long way that they can compete. I think even with practical effects, which to me, even older practical effects are better. Sure. So. Yeah. I'm definitely with you too. More, uh, more Mad Max Fury roads and less, you know, green screen of, I know. Have you heard those stories of like Ian McKellen breaking down on, on the set of the, uh, the Hobbit and being like, this is not acting. <laughs> I didn't sign up to stand yeah. in front of a green screen. I, that's a sidebar. I guess what I was, what I was trying to get with that is they've done something amazing with their storytelling to appeal to legitimate horror fans yeah. and mainstream audiences. But I, there were several things that I felt were 
were cheap and cheaty mm-hmm. in this. And so I'm just going to run through some of those in the context of what you said. We're yeah. fans of the season. Yeah. Um, there was some sloppiness. There was definitely some sloppiness. Yeah. So Joyce Byers is the only woman in town who realizes that magnets don't stick to the yeah. stuff in town again. Yeah. Like she's walking around sticking magnets to stuff. That would, I mean, I, again, I grew up in a small town. Sure. We would have been at the courthouse or at the convenience store being like, guys, did your magnet stop working? <laughs> did anybody else? Have, I mean, that would co- it seems like it would cause serious problems, like industrial problems. I don't know what that's about true magnetism, too. but yeah. like. If that's really happening all over Hawkins, you'd think that there would be like factories like, oh, our drill doesn't work or our fans don't work uh-huh. because the magnets aren't working right or what, you know. I mean, anything that uses magnetism and it would, I don't know, like, again, there may be some some scientist out there like, no, nah, that doesn't work that way. You're all wrong. And that's fine. But tell me, tell me that. Like, explain to me why, as a viewer, she's the only person who's getting this. <laughs> Every, it just happens to be her. Yeah. Know? Every family that we spend time with in Stranger Things, like the mom who's about to go cheat on her husband, mm-hmm. it, like we spend time with these families. Every one of them would be like, this is the weirdest thing ever. I yeah. have to have an answer. You know, they've got pictures on their fridge. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I don't get that either. <laughs> um, the other, this is always a frustration for me. And I'm like willing to grant them mm-hmm. uh, what I'm about to tell you about, but... Again, be consistent within your world. One of the big plot points uh, or, or plot mechanisms in this season is that uh, the little sister, Erica, mm-hmm. has to be the one who crawls down the the shaft of the ventilation system. Yeah. And we see that these guys can't fit in it. Yeah. Well, when we get her up there... We can tell from the opening of the wall, she's also not going to be able to do anything yeah. but like inch down it. Yeah. When she gets in it, it's this it's like spacious. A wide, yeah. Yeah. It's like the, it's she's like. She's got a backpack on. And like a big like, headgear. Yeah. They just, that was obviously like, well, she needs a silly costume to yeah. look like, you know, so that when she comes on screen, it can be like, <laughs> oh, looky there. How yeah. cute. Yeah. Comic relief <laughs> from whatever was happening. So my biggest problem with the whole season is the Russian subplot. I don't even know if a subplot is the right term. The rush, the, the element of the plot, which involves Russians. Okay. Well, let, let's get there because I really do okay. want to talk about that. And I want to okay. spend some more time on that. So Erica gets into this now suddenly larger air vent. Sure. Later, now he's coming from the other side, but later Maury, uh, Hopper's like super weird science friend. Yeah. He's in there and it's accommodating to an adult male all of I a think sudden. That, that was a different air vent. Well, but I mean, we know how air vent construction works, right? Like they use the same. <laughs> yeah. It's not like they go get bigger ducting for the left side versus well, the but, right. So like the one Maury was in was in the facility and the one that she was crawling through was the one that ran from the mall into the elevator. Okay. So the theory is the Russian one got like the industrial I guess size. Maybe they needed more cooling or okay. something. I don't know. I mean, it, it's a stretch, but I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that one. Okay. So. All right. Well, I'll, I'll give, I'll withdraw that okay. complaint. Um, the Duffer brothers, thank you for yeah. successfully defending. <laughs> yeah. The other one is Dustin builds this homebrew antenna. Yeah. And apparently it has the ability to transmit into the <laughs> deepest bowels of a secret Russian laboratory. Yeah. Yeah. I surely can. And I was like, has anybody used a walkie talkie or a ham radio in this? Yeah. You know, like that, that thing disappears about the time the door lowers. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. They're like, yeah. Hey, big bird. Where you at? Well, they have that line where he's like, this thing is the best one in the world it can pick up everything from North Pole to South Pole which actually causes problems for me because when he picks up a Russian transmission which has several things wrong with it yeah yeah for sure his conclusion is oh I'm picking up a Russian transmission 
And they're like, oh, it's coming from, it's going to be it's transmitted here to Hawkins. That's initially what they think, is that there's somebody here receiving it. Well, if you can pick up something from North Pole to South Pole, then you can pick up something from Moscow to Hawkins. Siberia. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's so a great how point. Do you not, how do you know it's not just like... Alexi talking to Yuri down the street from him, and it's too cold to walk down the road, you know? Yeah. And so they... Well, they, because Dustin had a little signal strength indicator. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, I guess so. <laughs> I'm, I'm, no, I'm totally with you. Yeah. Like, it, it is like... I don't remember that stuff being so obvious in the yeah. first two seasons where it's like... There was a lot of head scratchers. Give me an explanation, please. You know, like you said, add one line of dialogue. Yeah, just have, a, just have somebody say, well, how do you know it's not coming from Russia to a Russian? Yeah. Oh, well, you can tell because of the way this thing here is. You know, just mm-hmm. give me something. doesn't even have to be legitimately scientific. Sure. Just tell me why. Make it sound science-y. Yeah. Signal strength give or something. something like some Star Trek mumbo-jumbo. Yeah. Know? I'm okay with that as long as it's not too too ridiculous. Uh, working closer to the Russian mm-hmm. situation. So we've got that scene where they've been down the infinite long hallway. Yeah, the 10 miles. I think they said at one point it was 10 miles, I think she said. And, and nobody's came the whole time. They're just yeah. free strolling down. Which is another issue with the radio signal. 100%. going to be way outside of town. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> And underground by who knows how far. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. This thing the kid built at science camp yeah. is going to power well, through. Well, I think there may have been, and I, this doesn't solve it for me, but there was a line in there where he said something like, their radio can transmit out of there somehow. Maybe there's an antenna wire that runs up from the ground. But um, I think at some point it says, like, it can radio from out of there. Um, I don't remember who. Was, I think it was Dustin saying that to somebody. I don't remember who he was talking to. It might have been Murray yeah, because he went down there with a handheld, you know, and yeah. we're talking out from there and you're just kind of like, no, dokie. That can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and maybe that's it. Maybe they somehow cobbled up a physical connection to the Russian antenna. I- I'm willing to lean into it. Sure. You know? Yeah. I'm, I'm very enthusiastic about buying into the program. Just help me out. Just give me just give yeah. me a little a little strand to grab onto. So they come out of the infinite long hallway and they're they're exposed to the big scene of the Russian hive. Yeah. And there's four of them uh-huh. standing out in the wide open. When wearing these ridiculous costumes. Yeah. And like they have a long conversation. They do. And all these Russians are running past. Nobody notices. Nobody. These highly sophisticated military. Nobody comes down the hallway behind them. Uh, yeah. And this is clearly the main entrance. You know. 100%. Like it's right into it's the where they drive trucks. Yeah. <laughs> And, and then they're like, well, we'll just go hide behind those boxes. And again, nobody notices. Yeah, it's like a rolling dumpster or something that they have. These four kids scurrying across, and I was like, guys, <laughs> come on. Yeah. I just need you to give me more than yeah. this. Can there be an alcove? Can they yeah. duck into an alcove? Can they roll the dumpster? Yeah. I mean, slow, and that might be noticeable too, but. You look over and the dumpster stops. That'll be kind of a funny little visual that our sure. Russian could check and see like, oh, that it looks like like we can the camera can see it moving. And every time he turns, they stop. That would be a funny little gag. Did you, know? you ever play Metal Gear Solid? Sure. Like the snake Pliskin in the box yeah. thing. And the box keeps moving and nobody cares. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Just something, snake man. Snake Pliskin is from um, Escape from New York, by the way. Oh, <laughs> you're thinking of Solid Snake. snake. <laughs> yeah, I'm mixing yeah, my that's, action. That's uh, two John Carpenter references today. We did the thing and uh, and and escape from New York. I mean, I think that's pretty much a stamp of validation, right? Yeah, I think so. He's getting ready to release a Joker comic book. Did you know that? No, I did not. Another sidebar, but yeah. Um, 
I think those are my major. I mean, you already mentioned that, like yeah. they go to the mall. Sure. These kids are obviously not like rolling in it. Maybe Mike's family's kind of wealthy because yeah. they talk about Nancy having no problems. Yeah, yeah. Dad makes six figures. I think somebody said at some point, uh, which could have been an insult or a slur, but it's probably fair. Yeah. To say that he's doing well. And, yeah. But they go to the mall and like particularly yeah. Eleven, who I guess legally doesn't even have standing as a like. Because they're like, She's you can't be like seen out here. Yeah, I don't, I don't think she exists on paper, I think is the theory. And Hopper lives in the Unabomber's cabin. Yeah. You know. Well, let's assume he's making a decent salary as the chief of police of a small town, which yeah. would probably be pretty decent. Sure. And maybe he's giving her an allowance. Like, I can I can get there, but they could have said something. Yeah, just give me some explanation. Yeah. We've got Dad's card. We, yeah, you know, sure. Like, that was an this, 80s trope. Pull out like a MasterCard, like an old 80s looking one, and just be like, it's cool. Which, and then show us a few scenes of them sliding it in one of those old-fashioned like, like on the paper one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> then we're good to go. And, and then play Madonna's Material Girl just like you did, and it would just be just done, a great old done. scene. Yeah. I'm even over. I'm willing to overlook that. Like somebody would be like, "How does a kid have a platinum? You know, yeah, yeah, sure. whatever. Cool. They it, could even have that question. Yeah, and, they, and she could just be like, they could make up some. They could make up some bull story about how they're famous people, or I don't know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, or do so. something with Eleven's powers. Yeah, I don't know how. Maybe make she, her knock something off the counter, and then they just grab it and walk out. Mm-hmm. You know, with the receipt that they paid for it and everything. So yeah, it, it feels like it's it's too easy to be left unacknowledged. Yeah. Now, the one theory I have on this. Is that this is supposed to be a child's fantasy of what it would be like to go on a adventure of this scale? Yeah, you know, like okay, maybe the duffer. So those kinds of things probably aren't going to come up. In theory. Yeah, no. they would get glossed over in a kid's yeah. mind because the kid would think, eh. "I'll just run over there and do that." Yeah, sure. Um, the other one that I meant to mention was Steve holding the door against like five Russian. Sure. Yeah. You know, and I, that's what a kid would think. you like, I just lean on the door. Put my foot next to it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, so let's get to the Russian okay. critique though. I, I want to hear this. All right. So this is a tricky, if somebody came to me and said, all right, here's how season two concluded. Here's your, here's a bunch of empty sheets of paper. We want you to write season three. So you're in a tight spot because what you have to do is you have to get the upside down back involved somehow, Mm -hmm. probably, unless you want to go a completely different direction, which I don't think they would want to do. And I don't think the viewers would want to see. They want to see because there's clearly still unfinished business on the with the upside down and the mind flare subplot. So the gate is closed. El closed it. The government has gotten involved and closed down this shadowy institute. And so the question is, how do we get the gate back open? The Institute could do it. But at that point, you'd be like, how do they keep doing this? Mm. Um, And that would be kind of a a source of annoyance to people. They could also do, well, the U.S. government starts doing it. They find another way to do it. And for some reason, the U.S. government's in doing it, which may yet happen. I mean, we know the government's involved. They know kind of what's going on. Um, And uh, so that that may happen in in a, a subsequent season from now. But I think maybe what would have probably happened if there's a bunch of writers in a room, if I was a betting man, I would say, well, it's the 80s. We need to lean into nostalgia because everybody likes it. Red Dawn. Cold War. Let's talk about Rocky and uh, Rambo and bring let's bring in some communists because they're, they're the evil empire. They would be dumb enough to do this. Like they, they, they were, you know, morally in, in the position where they would open this thing up, not caring about the consequences. And, and clearly something like that happened because the, yeah. the dude who 
is pursuing Hopper and Joyce and Alexi yes, yeah. is doing a dead on Arnold Schwarzenegger he is, Terminator. Yeah, he looks just like him. He even calls him. I think he even calls him Arnold Schwarzenegger. Kind at of some jokingly. point. Well, even I know it's like it's just the details they do. That's great. Like at one point, you know, in T two when Arnold first gets hit in the cheek and yeah. the metal's poking out, mm-hmm. the guy gets cut right yeah. there, and like it's bloody, but yeah. it's clearly like, hey, remember Arnold? Yeah. So his anyway. ears the same as yes. the originals. He looks very similar. He's not quite as big. But he's very like chiseled and built guy. Yeah, and I was here for all of that. Like I thought that was awesome. Yeah. I'm just saying that illustrates that what you're talking about, some version of it happened. Sure. They were like, it's not John Rambo, we'll go get Yeah, you know, we'll get, Yeah, and, and from Terminator One, when he's the bad guy, yeah. even though the haircut matches a T two haircut. What, anyway, that's a little bit <laughs> of thing. Um, but uh, so my my problem with the Russian plot is that the Russians are either incredibly brilliant or incredibly stupid, sure. and it depends on when they need them to be which one. So they're brilliant enough to get all these smuggle all these guys into the United States with uniforms and weapons, build this massive, massive complex. Underground. Which, underground. Under a mall, which I guess they may have funded. I don't really know. They were kind of unclear on the relationship between the business that owned it. Mm-hmm. Um, they built this massive complex. And the reason why is because they figure out that the wall between this world and the upside down is weak in Hawkins because it had been penetrated there before. There's some there's some kind of amusing expositional dialogue with Dr. Scientist and Murray. <laughs> um Later on. And uh, so he explains all this to them. So they go there and they're doing this. But then they're also incredibly dumb because they broadcast their secret code in Russian for some reason. With like no encryption. I mean, it's it's not even like it's not even really code. I mean, have they heard of a phone? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good um, point. I mean, just pick up a landline in the mall. They're probably not tapped. Why would they be? You yeah. know, this is before the NSA, I assume, or before they certainly before they had the same capabilities they do now. And NSA, as you're listening into their cell phones, you and can how confirm. Hard would it be to find a guy who spoke more or less fluent English and just have a code that was not clearly a code? I mean, get a guy if you're really that good. If you can do all this, get the local DJ. And just, uh-huh. like, replace him with one of your agents. And then he gets on there and says stuff. And it's a code. You know, and I know, okay, so clearly they need to make this in such a way where these kids can intercept the code, decode it over one episode, and then get on with things. Yeah. But it's just, it's a bridge too far for me. It's sure. too simple. It's too easy. Um, and so, and then when they actually get down there, it's this massive, ridiculous complex. Again, but the Russian individuals that are down there are all goobers, basically. Like you have Colonel Comrade, who was like practically Boris and Natasha from Bullwinkle. <laughs> yeah. And then Dr. Goofball, who was a cartoon character also. And then and then the actual Dr. Scientist, Smirnoff, that we meet is kind of a goofy guy, too. So the only ones who are serious is Grigori, who I think is the character's name that was the um, the Schwarzenegger lookalike. Mm-hmm. And even those guys walk around looking like Russian assassins because the sequence at the fair, he's looking around and he sees them all coming. And in order for the viewer to know who they are, they're all dressed in gray and black and they're walking straight beeline, staring at him like they want to murder him. And you're just like, guys, are they smart or not? Because if they're smart, they're not doing that. They're just going to be dressed like everybody else. Hopper would be long dead, which clearly doesn't make for a good story. But there's just some weaknesses. And I wonder if maybe they had just not gone the Russian route, if they wouldn't have had to surmount them. Yeah. So that that's what really bugged me about this one mostly was that. And then I think that because the Russian subplot was going on for so long, 
several characters didn't get to do enough. Mm-hmm. Will Byers basically touched his neck the whole the whole season, and that was yeah, pretty much all he did. He became a human spider sense, yeah. and that I know we're going to talk later. It was always later. obvious because like you hear the thing stomping through the woods, and then he touches neck and go, "He's here." Yeah, and you're like, Thanks. or we had a flash, like it would show the flare, and then it's wheel yeah. in the movie theater. You're like, yeah, we got gotcha. you. Yeah, I, how many times do you have to do that before we realize that he just gets the thousand yard stare? It's time to start moving. You know, you just don't really. I, I don't know. I hope he's not permanently sidelined. Like this season clearly moved it towards. I don't think L. he will be because I have a theory about his character, which will probably disappoint you. Okay, well. Go ahead. I guess I feel like we've spent a lot of time being critical of the sure. of the season. So I just want to reiterate to the listeners that like we're fans of this. Yeah, I liked the season. I thought it was fun. It, I'd recommend watching it. It just feels like they took some storytelling shortcuts that is it's beneath what we've come to expect from Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. And and as such it, it it deserves noting. Yeah. There's a way to reveal the Russian plot that doesn't make the that doesn't make us all go, that was too easy. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if you are a fan of Stephen King's It, but you've got a kid who he loses his brother and therefore becomes sensitive to how kids are disappearing in town mm-hmm. and gets hyper-motivated to figure out why. Yeah. And you it leaves you respecting Bill Denbro. You're like, oh, this kid is smart. He's dogged, right? He's not sitting up on a hill trying to reach his sure. possibly made-up girlfriend. <laughs> And he yeah. hears the Russians being like, go to the mall, uh-huh. eat the cake, yeah. go down the shaft. Yeah. So anyway, small small criticisms in in the context yeah, of in liking the grand scheme. I think that it just got in the way. Sure. Um, and it, which it was just kind of that was kind of a bummer. But I think what they did there, I think they had a good idea. So basically, they wanted to bring in uh, an opportunity for Steve and Dustin to hang out. They needed to have more for them to do, so they they brought in the girl character whose name I can't recall. Robin? Robin. Um, she was his co-worker at the, the Scoops. Yeah. And they brought in Erica Sinclair Lucas's little sister, who actually is a character I really liked. I liked her addition. Um, Robin was superflu- was pretty much superfluous. Um, I felt like because of the nature of what they revealed about her character at the end, that she was a box check. Yeah. Um, and I'm afraid, if I can, uh, go ahead with my theory about the Will Byers character. Sure, man. I think they're going to do the same thing with him next season. Yeah, that was a pretty heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll tell you, hit the actor who plays Will says he doesn't think that's the case. Okay. Uh, I did see that, which makes me think, maybe not. Maybe not. But I mean, what is the kind of comment that you may make like offhand if that kind of, like the drama they were having in context it doesn't necessarily mean that yeah so just to be clear for all the listeners you know what we're talking about when he when Mike tells Will mm-hmm. in a way that could mean we're ahead of you on the developmental curve sure or it could mean our sexuality is different yeah he, uh, Mike tells Will you don't like girls yeah in the 80s that would have meant clearly Hey, it's not my fault that you're not interested in women at this point. You know? Yes. Um, in, in 2019, there's no telling what it means. And knowing what we know about the way media is going, um, I wouldn't be shocked at all if they made him into a homosexual later. Well, Netflix has a, uh, a lady who is the president of inclusion and diversity and representation or something Orwellian like that, whose job is to make sure that stuff gets into all their originals. Yeah. So, like, it's just impossible not to suspect. Sure. Robin could be the faint. Um, yeah. They did that with Billy. Um because, you know, Billy was looking like he was going to be a racist. Yeah. And then that, that just went into the vapor. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So maybe Will 
maybe that was to like juke us for it to be Robin. Maybe. But I'm with you. It, it just seems like they need one of the principal characters yeah. to drive their representation ideology. There's enough of them that they can they can basically spend one on that if they want to. And then they can yeah, use the the characters we've fallen, mm-hmm. you know, in love with ostensibly to like reinforce how we should respond to that, like yeah. be super inclusive and all that. Yeah, I'm with you and just having that just seems too likely in a yeah. in a progressive. It's a little on the nose. Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of the the Robin character, she's uh, she's played by Maya Ray Thurman Hawk. Mm-hmm. She is the daughter of Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawk. Okie dokie. Yeah, I can see if you, I can see a little bit of that. Yeah, I when I saw that, I was like, well, I guess some people are born to act. You I guess know. So. Yeah. Um, Although I don't remember seeing her in anything before this. No, I just figured the G- the DNA is going to come out. Sure. You know, it's like LeBron James kid being a good basketball player. Yeah, like, oh, I'm not surprised. That, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, 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 that was a criticism, even apart from the sexuality question. I just hated seeing Will stuck on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife had a theory, though. That kid has clearly, in a way, even that outpaces the other kids, uh, he's gone through a growth spurt. Mm-hmm. Like when you see him, when they just show him, like yeah. in the back, he's taller. He's they had broader to do shoulder. Some force perspective to make him like less, uh, more frail looking, and like <laughs> rotate him to the back. They kept him in that goofy like bowl haircut, yeah, yeah. and you're like, guys, we can tell he grew up. <laughs> it's cool, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the shock, some of the shocking scenes in the show were the ones where it was flashbacks of season one. You're like, well, yeah. they really did. I mean, it's been, I guess, it's been many years now since yeah. season one filmed, mm-hmm. uh, much less. When it showed, and so yeah, I'm not I'm not shocked by it. But yeah, I, and of, of the four boys, unfortunately, and I don't I don't mean this ne- more than derogatory than necessary, but I think Mike, who is kind of the leader of the four boys, is the weakest of the of the actors. Unfortunately, um, Will seems to be pretty good, although he didn't have enough to do. Oh, he does timid really well. Yeah. And the other thing I thought he did real well in this the scene where he destroys Castle Byers yeah. is like a perfect. He did a great job being the turmoil of it and like the brokenheartedness yeah, of it. The sad rage kind of. But also in the like that's basically a perfect image of adolescence. Yeah. Sure. You know what I mean? Like you you rage and lash out against yeah. this childhood yeah. stuff. I you know, I think actually what we'll see if this show goes on, he'll kinda of come back and try to repair the castle a little and be like yeah. all that wasn't all garbage. Yeah. But anyway, that was a really powerful scene. He I thought he pulled it off really well as an actor. But like you said, that's basically all he had to do. Touch his neck, tear up the fort, yeah. and just stay in the background, please, yeah. so we don't notice your pre or post puberty. And well I guess the sort of the function of his character was to to contrast the growth the mm-hmm. puberty and the like the characters are all at turmoil, and this is something that was good in the show, I think, was that they spent a little too long on the teen drama, in my opinion. Especially too much for, teen coupling and making out. Yeah. Like I Especially was, for eight episodes. Like, you can do that for one seat, yeah. for one episode. I think the point's made. Let's move it on down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but that from that, they were able to do a couple things. So, for one thing, Hopper's, like, struggling as a father was kind of brought to the front with that mm-hmm. um, over a really hard issue to deal with. And so, that's that was an important thing that came from it. But then also, um, Will's character contrasted with Lucas and Mike, who are both kind of interested in girls now more mm-hmm. than most things. And right. Will's just not. And so they're they're all like, they're really close to each other in developmental stages, but they just have different priorities where their priorities used to all be the same. Will's will catch up in some way or another. And they're just kind of all doing battle with themselves in that regard. 
Um, and they all, at the end of the season, they all come around and, and start to make peace with that. Like, they all kind of want to play D&D again. Will's cool with Eleven and, and Max being a part of things, and they just are starting to get there. Which is, a, you know, that's something that you got to deal with in, in adolescence. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm leaving childhood behind, but I still like this thing, mm-hmm. which is immature, but I am ashamed of it, or I... Um, Don't know how to integrate yeah, it in my, my more My friends are, and I aren't getting along anymore because we have different interests, and we're just no longer... Like, we don't all just have the same things to do. So those are real struggles. And that's really one of the strengths of the show. With nostalgia is one thing, but also, like, I remember being that age. Yeah. Whether whether you were that age in the 80s or, or five minutes ago, then you can still identify with a lot of their problems. So. Yeah, the one that, again, to the Duffer's credit, the one that really nailed it for me was, um, what's the kid's name who's dating Max? Lucas. Lucas. Mm-hmm. Lucas catches Will in the, you know, they're getting ready to uh, pin Billy up in the sauna. Yeah. And they're in like the garden shed for the pool. And he takes him in and he's like, hey, man, that was a really cool D&D scenario. Yeah. Like that is, my lizard brain would have been like, I'm only worried about my girl right now. Yeah. But I, if I was rude to my buddy, I would have come back around and be like, you know, now that I'm kind of. Yeah, I found equilibrium again. Sure. I the, don't want the crisis to, is over. Yes. so I can now think about other things. Yeah, yeah, and like you're saying, it just they do a good job of showing the teeter totter instability of yeah. adolescence. Yeah, uh, just rapid fire, a couple other things. Uh, God help the man who Joyce Byers decides to date. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. She has become a black widow. She has, yeah. Well, assuming, of course, that Hopper is actually gone. Yeah. But, I mean, he whatever happened to him, yeah. he took it on the chin, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, he ain't happy wherever he is. <laughs> no. And I think the really the my buddy Derek Zhu uh, made this point, and I didn't realize it. And you know how in season one there was the justice for Barb thing? Or like, yeah, yeah. Everybody was like, hey, we can't forget that she— she just disappeared. Yeah. But everybody there forgot she disappeared. Yeah, no, but she's not mentioned again. Yeah. Well, my buddy Derek said he hates Susie because Susie killed Hopper. Because she made Dustin sing that entire freaking yeah. song. Yeah. It gave the Russian Terminator time to catch up. Yeah. And yeah. And so yeah. he's like, he's gonna, you know, he's like, I'm gonna have t-shirts made, you know, justice for Hopper, death to Susie. <laughs> you know, yeah. That was a painful scene to watch. Um I, like I mentioned, I referenced it earlier because it made me laugh at the monster, basically, yeah. because of the, the awkwardness of the comedic line. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, that's one of those where you're just like nails on a chalkboard waiting. Come on, get with the program. Let's go. And, you know, Dustin did what he had to do, but... Um, gosh. It, got, it got Hopper kid. It kind of reframes the season, yeah. you know. I mean, I mean, like when you when you think about that, I'd be like, okay, thanks for telling us that number. Never contact me again. I hate you. You know, like yes. you just ruined my life, my friends' yes. lives. And my best my best friend's girlfriend's dad just died because you made me sing that song, and uh, she'd just be like, ah, you know. But uh, I'm sure she'll, I'm sure she'll be on it. And I mean, uh, she may end up being a recurring character. I don't know how they're going to deal with her being a Mormon in Salt Lake City. That was something that was referenced. And Dustin will build a teleporter. I <laughs> guess so. I mean, they may move to Hawkins, but still they're going to. The, well, the idea of them having a Mormon character on there, I'm not sure how they'd handle it. I don't know what they would do. So. I do think there is a possibility where Russia or the U.S. government or whoever, or the Institute, has opened up multiple portals. Yeah. Well, it seems like they must have because they've got a... A Demogorgon. Yeah, you know, a thing in the basement down there. Yeah. So maybe I don't, maybe that becomes some kind of travel. Uh, I'm going to put a pin there because I want to get to theories um, from from there. 
Yeah, Susie probably gets added to the cast, I bet. Yeah. Maybe she walks through a portal. Yeah. Uh, they did something like they did with Erica, right? Erica had some scenes in season two. And then uh, clearly she's going to get her own party at this point, right? Because like, they give her the Dungeons & Dragons yeah, books. Yeah. And so I wonder if she won't be... I guess we can just go into season four uh, theories... I wonder if she won't have like a junior yeah, maybe so. crime fighter mm-hmm. group of friends who the girls who were like with her at the mm-hmm. scoops place, yeah. maybe. Um, so we're going to go on the record and say, we just assume Will's going to end up being a gay character. Uh, I'm, if, the, if the actor came out and said that it's not the case, then I might be willing to assume that that's not the case. But um, I don't know. It just seemed, it did seem very heavy handed considering the day and age we're in. Um, it doesn't it almost seem like well his best friends know yes but right. um but they don't bring it up because in the 80s you really couldn't do that much unless you were Freddie Mercury or they're going to be framed as like the most progressive minded sure. kids ever and the ideal yeah. acceptance it just group. doesn't bother them at yeah. all they don't care and the cover I, for him and whatnot more I, i'm with you in that like the actor saying no is pretty strong to my mind yeah. but also i know how the howling mob is mm-hmm. and like to introduce robin just to make her the gay character yeah seems like the kind of thing people who like have a bloodthirst for more representation for the gay community mm-hmm. they will not be satisfied by that they will be beating at the castle doors because you didn't do enough well they may have i mean that could be a kind of a red herring like where they said okay we haven't written your character this way and so if they've got season four written yet i don't know but um or if they if they know where they're going with future seasons at all but they could have even somebody could have basically said you're going to put this line in there and then we're going to see what happens and if everybody starts beating on the door then they'll just change it sure and if nobody notices then they won't yeah and knowing what we know about the media today some everybody's going to notice and ask and i have purposefully avoided reading reviews and critiques of the show before doing this so i haven't actually seen any criticism the only thing i saw was one headline where it was like what happened to stranger things and it was like a picture of steve looking glum from the show and i was like well clearly this is somebody's clickbait article about why it's not good so that's that's literally the only criticism that i've seen of it and so i don't know if people are like rapidly speculating if he's gay or not but that was the first thing that occurred to me when they said that line yeah I, and i'm not I think that's reasonable. clearly i'm not calling for that so sure the people that are calling for that i think they they may jump on it yeah I, I think that sounds really realistic so we well actually i know you probably don't know this i i've also tried to stay away from reviews i read one that says that said the um the season ruined Hopper, and I was like, "I'm done here. That's enough oh, internet." No, that's not true. He was the best character. Yeah, and he like he grew as a character. Yeah. It was his story. If I had to pick a character that this was their story, he was the one who most clearly was like driving the narrative, in my opinion. Well, they bookend this with him, right? Like yeah. the it, it starts with him seeing Elle kissing, mm-hmm. and it ends with him being zapped into nowhere and her reading his letter, yeah. saving the day. Yeah. yeah. And again, he grew. Like that's what I like about any story. Give me some character growth, and I'm really going to be hooked. Yeah. And he did. He became more of a dad. Sure. And I mean, I got a little dusty while she was reading that letter. Um, I just thought, man, that's a that's a great dad move. The the I guess the one the one trouble I have, and I'll ask you as a dad. So you have a daughter. Mm-hmm. I have two daughters. Um, I thought Mike took it a little too far in the blazer. Like my my daughter's boyfriend who's kissing her in her bedroom, if I pull him aside to tell him y'all need to dial it down and he calls me a lying piece of blank to my face, 
I don't, I mean, I'm not trying to sound like Billy Bad Boy. I'm just saying you may not make it out of there, buddy, yeah. and you sure aren't coming back to the house. Yeah. Like, you get the "I'm sorry you wasted your chance to date my daughter" card. Yeah, and, you know what I mean? yeah he he didn't he didn't take that well. <laughs> um, it seems the, that whole scene was a little like not troubling in the sense that like I would that it would cause me to to not like the show, but like you'd think Mike would come to the table knowing. Like, there would be more of a respect. This guy's the chief of police. He's your girlfriend's dad. He controls the access. Yeah. And so um, maybe you think you can get around him. I mean, maybe there's the arrogance of youth there that you don't need his permission. But you think if he got, he had you cornered in the car and he's like, I'm going to talk to you about dating my daughter, that you're going to clam up and listen. And you're going to at least pretend to. You know, you may not really believe him, but you're not going to just cuss him out to his face yeah that to that yeah. degree i thought like man you could be like dude you freaking lied that sucks yeah. you go to your lying piece yeah and things are fundamentally different between yeah. me and you son yeah, this conversation is going to be terminated and <laughs> have a fun time walking home yeah and, or i'm gonna go talk to your dad and he's gonna straighten anyway yeah i, I don't want to turn this into like yeah dad there's clearly, yeah there's clearly like absentee you know the dad and the in mike's dad is such an interesting character for what he is. Like he doesn't have any lines in this one. Mm-hmm. Well, he has a few at the fair, I think. Yeah, up in the fair swing. Um, but uh, he doesn't really do very much in this season. But there is one of the best scenes where she's about to go cheat, and it, she turns around and sees Dad asleep with the daughter on the couch, and she's like, "This is not the most attractive man. This is not the most exotic man. But this is a man who loves my kids and loves me, and he provides for me." Mm-hmm. And I don't know what was going through her head. But it was sufficient to stop her from doing this bad thing. And uh, so that was a good scene. And, and I remember reading an article when season one came out that somebody was like, this is the worst dad ever. And the article said he's actually one of the best dads we've seen because he's physically present in the house. They're married. He doesn't. He, he's kind of just sort of stereotype dad. Maybe too beta. There. But yeah, he's, yeah, he's there. there. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's an advantage to that. And. Yeah, I mean he's he's just kind of present, and but at the same time, the show has no like parents in it much. Mm-hmm. Like it's always them having to solve. Other than Joyce, own. who's yeah. almost like another member of the gang. Yeah, and then Hopper is in the same. Yeah, world, that's because he's too. not even really his kid. He loves her like a daughter, but um, they're they're kind of in on it. So yeah, they're in the gang. Which is again, that's going to be your young person fantasy. Like I gotta solve this. Nobody believes me. There's sort of a persecution complex there where mom and dad don't let me blow bubbles in my chocolate milk, and therefore they can't help me fight monsters. But I do need somebody to drive me around. Sure, you know the yeah. the awkwardness of it. And there's and and dad has to say yes if I'm going to date his daughter. So yeah. well, let's. Um well, actually, before we move on, any other... Oh, we didn't talk about Hopper. Theories sure. for Hopper for the next season. Well, I, he's such a popular character, I'd be shocked if he wasn't in it some more. Um, he's been... Hint, Harbor, David Harbor, has yeah. been hinting on his Instagram that he's still... Yeah. Like, kind of basically, wink, wink, guys, come on. Yeah. For real, I'm not It wasn't dead. with... I mean, it was... At the, the the post-credit scene that they did where they showed the Russian guys getting the prisoner out, feeding him to the Demogorgon, which appeared to be albino for some reason... <laughs> um, they said, don't bring the American. Get this other guy. And then the other guy's like, no, don't take me down there. Because he knows apparently bad things happen down there. Um, don't know who these people are. But for some reason, there's an American in a cage. We don't know if that's Hopper or not. But um, it could be that... Because we didn't see him die. You know, when when we previously saw people killed by the machine exploding, we saw them. In, mm-hmm. in pretty significant, gory detail. 
And we saw not Terminator get wrapped up in it and shredded as well, which kind of broke it so he couldn't cross back through. Yeah. Um, but he was not – we did not see him. We saw no shreds of clothing. We saw no melted piles of goo. We did not see him evaporate. We didn't see him get blown through a wall or anything like we that. We didn't see so, clothing, right? Yeah, not that I know of. Yeah. Not that I can remember. But we, d- we definitely didn't see organic material. Sure. So there's a chance that he got somehow transported, which is going to – I hope they do a good job with it if that's what happened because it will seem really, like, convenient. There was a little bit of convenient writing yeah. in this one. Yeah. The worst one I can remember with Hopper was when he was fighting the bad guys in the funhouse – Survives and runs away. Like he get, he beats up the one guy and runs off while the rest of them are coming in. And then he slides down the tube and runs out the back, and the car is pulling up right there. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, okay, like they know he's the, I, you know, that that's the kind of sloppy thing that doesn't ruin the show. But if you do enough of that kind of thing enough times, it could. So well, I mean, we've talked about some of the sloppy. Yeah, I don't want them to go to that well too often. Yeah. I think with maybe fixing some of that, mm-hmm. this whole idea that L has lost her powers. Yeah. Because she was the fix-it. You know what sure. I mean? She would just show up and like, okay, Billy's attacking. He fought his way out of the yeah. sauna. Elle fixes it. Yeah. When the car flipped over, Elle fixes it. You know, or whatever. Um, I think maybe next year we'll have, or next season, I don't know when it'll release, but we'll get a prolonged time where Elle doesn't have her powers. I expected that at the end of this season because it seemed like they were relying on her too much yeah. early in the season. They couldn't do anything. And the way that they designed the creature was in such a way that you couldn't do much to it unless mm-hmm. you could pick the whole thing up and fling it along with it. Well, it's part of the reason, I guess, why it had to become incarnate, right? Yeah, like, sure. Yeah. Um, so that was that was something that I saw coming. Was that I was like, well, okay, so the final battle for some reason she's going to be depowered or her powers are not going to be working very well. I expected that. The only other thing that I saw coming like a mile away was Billy's redemption because by episode two. They were already showing him in a way that is pitiful. Yeah. Um, the first episode, he was a scumbag because he was trying to sleep with a married woman. But by the end of that episode, the way they showed him getting like caught by the the monster, you're like, oh, that's. I mean, like, I hate to see him struggling that way. Like, you're, you're you wouldn't want anybody to. You're immediately tugged on that, and so I was like, he's going to be fine by the end of it. He'll be a good guy. Well, and they did a little bit of that in season two as well. Yeah. Remember, like his dad or stepdad yeah, sure. slaps him around yeah, or they, something. They want us to feel a little sorry for him, and that, of course, they built that up with the visions of his past. And well, let me. So. That's one of the things I want to ask you about. In terms of like how Christians think about this, okay. let's put a pin there for a second with the Hopper thing before we leave it. Yeah, sure. Our mutual friend uh, and friend of the podcast, uh, Mac Williams, has a theory that um, the American isn't going to be Hopper. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the white-haired scientist that created Hell's, the program Hell's that developed dad, it. Quote yes. Yeah, and I'm here for that theory because... I want to see Hopper living as a refugee in the Upside Down, trying to find his way out oh, yeah. like a survivor. That would be a great way to get us in there to see like what life is like there. Yeah, yeah, I want more time in there, which I realize a lot of times leaving it to the imagination is better. Mm-hmm. But Hopper like furtively scurrying. But there's so much we don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's clearly like an ecosystem of some kind. There's yes. animals. There's a hierarchy of something. The Demogorgon was eating something yeah. that sustained some version of There's got to be more. And uh, yeah, I want to know more about it and I think him coming out of there might be kind of interesting and it would be the right kind of faint to like open that cell door and it's that bad guy but we need him now because we need to get the door back open because somehow they found out Hopper maybe he's knocking on Joyce's other wall you know what I mean blinking the lights yeah Um, but is that the only 
Yeah, I mean, those are all the only those are the only theories we would have for the next season, right? Yeah, I guess so. Um, my my only other theory, and this is kind of out of left field, is that the next villain they're going to face is going to be some kind of anti eleven. It's going to be a yeah, person. like number ten or yeah, it's going to be another person with her abilities because it seems like the like a, a a thing that they will want to do at some point um, is to have because it's clear that her character up to this point has only worked as a good guy because she would just waste everybody if she was a bad guy. And we are in a position now where I think they can kind of face off with each other. And ill without her powers she'll facing. To, yeah. And they'll either have to outsmart this thing, person, whatever it is, um, or she'll have to get them back somehow. She's yeah. got to get her groove back. Or maybe do both. Yeah. Maybe they'll have a montage. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, like the Rocky training. Yeah, she's like lifting weights with her brain. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not like gym weights. Yeah, they're like, like barrels. Yeah, and uh, yeah. trains. Or didn't they do that already? They did that in the second one. Yeah. Whether they in the so junkyard. She knocked the train off i think yeah that's yeah. right that's right maybe that was in the the weird episode yeah i think it might have been yeah well maybe they'll do another one where she's got to do like well it'll be like the empire strikes back where she's like stacking rocks and pulling things out of a swamp or whatever <laughs> dustin's know. on her shoulders yeah yeah <laughs> jumping flips and whatnot. Uh, I, I, to, to get to the point where we talk about how christians think about this and talk to their neighbors about it I wanted to ask you about Billy's redemption because mm-hmm. I'm of two minds on this. Yeah. One, it worked for me. Yeah. Like, I was glad to see him die a hero. Sure. I was glad to see him have that moment where he told Max, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And like, she gets to have a restored relationship with her brother. Yeah. I do think it raises questions about how stuff works in the Mind Flayers board. Like, this guy broke he out. Can leave, yeah. So. We get the impression everybody else is dead, but Billy got out. Sure. Could anybody else have gotten out? Well, that was my question throughout where they were like, we can't just keep killing the people because the Mind Flayer will survive. And I think at some point somebody should have said, well, what if we kill the Mind Flayer? Will the rest of the, will they be okay? Because 100%. there's like a lot of, we find out later that it's like 30, but at that point I was like, it could be hundreds. I mean, it could be half the town. Yeah. And Billy certainly, and you'd think Max would be like, well, maybe there's a way to do this with Billy surviving. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like nobody I'm, I'm really interested. says that. Um, and maybe they just were like, ah, it's too dire. We can't take the chance. Um, we just have to kill whatever we have to kill to survive. To but your point earlier, though, they could have. give me like three lines of dialogue that sure. say that. Yeah. And there's a lot of really sad because like Heather, the, the female lifeguard that Billy kidnaps, her mom. I mean, her dad was a jerk yeah. at the newspaper. And so I think we're all supposed to be like, hey, he got what's coming to him. But mom and Heather didn't. No. You know, the old lady who's eating the fertilizer. There was like a kid. Yeah. I mean, there was several people that we just didn't know. But, I mean, clearly these things are meant to. I mean, it's just like imagine your town. Yeah. 30 people suddenly are gone. And, that, and then they're, there's no explanation for where they went or whatever. They died in a fire at the mall, whatever yeah. is what they say. So that's... And they allude to the fact that nobody buys it with that, like, news coverage thing they did at the end, where it's like, ooh, they reference the satanic panic and all that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good touch. Um, But... well, I took yeah. us on a sidebar with Billy. So the the one version is I'm just glad for the redemption stuff. Yeah. And I'll just I'll deal with the narrative problems. Just I'm glad that mm-hmm. happened. The other part of me is that like I hate the idea that every bad guy has to be a misunderstood victim. Sure. And every good guy has to be a morally compromised antihero. Uh-huh. And like when when Elle is poking around in his head. And she uses his mom mm-hmm. to like call the best version of Billy back out of him. You know what it reminded me of? 
Batman yeah. versus Superman, Donna <laughs> Justice. Kinda, I kind of wanted him to be like, why did you just say Martha? Uh, 100%. <laughs> like, I dude. wish his mom's name was Martha. That would have been hilarious. I was thinking, like, did Zack Snyder get a hold of this somehow? <laughs> yeah. And so I don't know how to parse those out. Should yeah. I just be happy for the redemptive arc, or should yeah. I see this as their moral ambiguity Well, maybe they could have done the scene better. Maybe not. I don't know. I, I didn't have a problem with the way it was done or the dialogue. Um, it didn't really bother me. It did kind of make me kind of smirk a little bit Mm -hmm. um, because of that, like the the reminder of that. But um, he was, uh, there was some allusions to internal conflict with him prior to that. And that they may have, could have been established more, but like the scene in the sauna, he seemed to be genuinely emotional about the fact that the thing is making him do what he doesn't want to do. Yeah. Like we got to, um, we got him again yeah. briefly. And then, and, but at the same time, he doesn't seem to be fully in control of his actions. So he's still at the same moment he's having this. He's still like grabbing sharp objects to kill them with. Yeah. Um, we know that the mind flare and the creatures from the upside down hate heat. And he'd been in like 220 degree heat, I think is what they said for some period of time. So maybe it was like, it was too weak him. and it couldn't hold him. Billy also has been established as a person with a really strong will, um, like he's dangerous. And, yeah. and it's been used kind of in a negative way in the past. And so it could just be that he was a person who was able to break free because he was just that tough. Like he's, sure. he was exceptional in that way. And sure. I'm cool with that. Like that doesn't bug me. Um, and uh, and then the the recurring memory, like having the memories recalled to him, gave him just enough horsepower to like over power out overcome it. And um, yeah, I, do, I mean, it does beg questions about like who can leave and who can't, and is this kind of thing that you can fight just by like trying hard, um, or is it like more of a virus that you just are going to eventually succumb to? Yeah, that most people wouldn't have the ability to get but to I your kinda, like, deepest I, I secret. I think I'm with you. Like, the narrative problems don't bug me. I like that he was redeemed. I think it would have been cripplingly depressing if he had just died. Um, As a minion of Somebody the- shot him in the head or something, and then... And then in the moment he's killed, the creature is disabled temporarily and they finish it off for whatever. Like yeah. That could have been something that they did, but they chose instead to have him sort of block the way so that L can survive long enough for them to hit the button and kill it. Um, and I, this isn't why you do it, but it also lets Max not become, you know, a, a child with real demons. Yeah. You know, she gets to be a productive member of the party mm-hmm. still because yeah. that didn't happen. And they can have fond memories of that character because it, in spite of him being such a huge jerk, there was a part of us that wanted to like him, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know exactly how they did that. It may lend that may be part of the actor's skill. I don't know. It could be the way he's written, but it also could be that they were like, hey, we need people to like you, but also you have to do a bunch of scummy things. Yeah. Maybe he was able to pull it off. I don't know. Um, yeah. Maybe I'm just unique that I kind of wanted him to be a good guy. But. Well, again, I there's a big part of me that liked the redemption. Mm-hmm. I just... In Batman versus Superman, I hate the moral ambiguity stuff. Yeah. I hate the dumb storytelling of yeah. like mommy memories and mommy issues. Yeah. And I just want to make sure I'm being consistent and not because I like Stranger Things yeah, yeah. better mm-hmm. overlooking stuff that I should have a problem well, with. Well, what we didn't, there's two different things going on though there. Like you're not redeeming a character in Batman v Superman. You're just yeah. clarifying what should be a very simple misunderstanding that they sure. should have just hashed out. Like no matter how mad you are. Hey, you hate people being hurt by more powerful people. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Okay. I mean, like, even if you don't like each other, just you do your thing there. And anyway, that's a whole different movie that we could probably talk about for a long, long time. But I'm with you. I like the redemption of Billy. I thought it was one of the peaks of the season. Um, it's definitely one of the climaxes that they wanted you to have. And um, 
they there wasn't a whole lot of re- like redemption necessary in this one. There wasn't like fallen people everywhere. Yeah, um, yeah. Hopper had that kind of in the first season when he was sort of the drunk um, who hated life and was borderline suicidal, and he had to kind of come out of it to take care of Elle. That was sort of his redemption. Mm-hmm. And then here we don't have like Billy's clearly not the same phase of life, so that won't work for him. So they just give him a a heroic sacrifice, and he's able to die having done one good deed that was. We, you know, of course, you and I know that that's not sufficient to save ultimately, but in the context of the story, it sort of restores him to the good guy's team. Yeah, yeah, so definitely. If he'd ever been there, I mean, he's kind of riding the fence most of the time he was in it anyway. So, yeah. Well, the the two things I'll toss at you, and, and then you add whatever you want to on top of it, but I'd also like to hear your thoughts. I, when I say how Christians talk to the neighbors, I mean, lost neighbor or saved, mm-hmm. you know, how do we make use of this story? Sure. And I don't think you can make use of it in a way that like brings someone to a conversion experience. Yeah. yeah we're not going to write a Bible study based on this probably. Yeah. But, I, but these are stories told by image bearers. Mm-hmm. So where do we see the the image? Yeah, right? sure. So I'm a firm believer that all good stories are just reflections of the good story, mm-hmm. which is a story of Christ coming to save his people and uh, redeem his bride. And so you can see that a story, Story which is well told that is good and clear. Uh, this is part of the reason why I don't like abstract experimental films because they don't really tell a story much, or you have to bring a bunch of in, like internal interpretation to it. It's unclear. So I, I like my clear narrative structure, and I like my clear plots and storytelling and characters that are strong and are, and are doing things, and that their motivations are clear and, and all that stuff. So I think we had most of that most of that in this, and I, I think that you could use Stranger Things uh, like as a as a series. To talk about this in such a way where, okay, we have a couple of good things going for us that, like, you can immediately see. So you have a clear good versus evil narrative. Yeah. There is a sort of a semi-supernatural kind of element to this. It's a little bit sci-fi in the sense that, like, it's material. It's just outside of our world. Um, but it kind of implies a spiritual, supernatural kind of uh, situation. Um, I mean, there's real possession imagery in yeah. season two and yeah. season three. So um, You have... Uh, I don't know. You, you just have, there's a lot of re- redeeming things that the characters are doing. They're clearly they're fighting evil. They're trying to save life. They're um, very self-sacrificial. Yeah, they uh, they a lot of times have to make decisions that they believe will result in their death, and they somehow manage to survive. Uh, there's a lot of those kinds of things. Um, there's there's not as many very clear allusions to like like you wouldn't be able to pull a direct metaphor in my opinion for like Jesus's death and resurrection yeah. very easily from yeah. it. So I don't think it's something like. Um, I don't think it's like Snow White, right? Where Snow White bites the apple and falls asleep and cannot rise again until her tr- until her groom comes to save her, mm-hmm. right? which is a very clear allusion to fall and then Christ coming to save the church. Um, so that's that's just crystal clear. That was written for that purpose, and sure. so this is not written for that purpose. I don't know anything about the Duffer brothers' beliefs, but if they're telling a good story, somewhere in there, there's a kernel of this story of Christ, and so. Um, what are the things that we like about it? What are the things that work for us? Um, well, some of the things that we discussed are just the nostalgia, the the love of older times, better times. Um, Morally clear times. I yeah, think that's what's yeah. nostalgia in this one is like. Even with the innocence, Russian subplot. Yeah. Know? But the Russians are clearly the bad guys. Yeah, yeah, you know, the, Very yeah. much classic 80s Russians. They were, there was no like... Socialism's okay if the right person's doing. There's none of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you even have a, a hero character in this one slamming socialism periodically, mm-hmm. um, and and praising capitalism. And so there's there's some fun stuff with that. But uh, and and I'm not necessarily saying that 
that's that's pointing to Christ. But when you talk to somebody about this, just asking them, what is it that you like about it? Why is it that you like it? And then how can we equate the things that they carry away from it as enjoyable? I mean, even a conversation like this where you could say, why didn't you like season two as well or, or season three as well? As season one, or why did you like it better? Um, just finding those things, finding the reasons why these things strike our heart, why they get through our the watchful guardians and strike our hearts. What is it about them? And and then and then finding ways to compare the, those things to the story of Jesus. Yeah, I think you've brought up some of those things that like where you see the opportunity, highlight them. This is a world of clear good and evil. Mm-hmm. Like there's not moral ambiguity here. Don't sure. doesn't that not only like kind of be where your heart wants to live, but it also looks like real life. Yeah, uh, because yeah, in spite of the dark things that happen in Hawkins, it still seems like eh, I'd live there. Yeah, I'd like to be a part of the team. You yeah, know? they go through pretty miserable circumstances sometimes, but like I kind of wish I was one of their friends back yes. when I was a kid. You know, yes, uh, they like you said they care for each other in very self sacrificial ways. Um, I also think that there is something about the nuclear family here. Like we clearly have Joyce's mom and we clearly have Hopper as dad. And they're not perfect representations of that. But this is like a motley family that are under the auspices of their care. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a reason that we see that continue to show up. Like you said, Cinderella, Mm -hmm. right? We want to see the prince and the princess. But we also want to see Jim and Pam get together. And like Mm -hmm. we want to see Joyce and and Hopper take care of these kids. And so... Oh, gosh, that reminds me of the end of the show, which we didn't really talk about. Yeah. Well, how about let's just make that the end. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So they move away for no reason. (laughs) I was going to ask if that's another one thing I'm like conflicted about. And everybody's sad. And I'm just like, why don't they just stay? Well, the reason they don't stay is because Joyce keeps getting guys killed and her kid gets sucked in the wall. And like, I... Here's my thing. I, I want to know, would I, is it the most brilliant move or is it the most boneheaded move? Because I'm torn. Thing. It's the dumbest thing on earth. Because here's the deal. You're surrounded by a, a cadre of now highly experienced <laughs> people who have been dealing yes. and they know what's going on. That's true. And you're about to move. And if you don't think that that's going to follow you, then you have not been paying attention. Because that's this true. is the third time. And that, yeah. if nothing else, sets the pattern. Like I'd be, if it was me, I'd be like, all right, let's gather around. We're going to have a meeting. We're going to start drilling. And I'm going to say, here's your shotgun, Steve. Yeah. And I'm going to say, here's your pistol and here's your baseball bat with nails through it. And yeah. here's your flamethrower, you know. And just like, this is our life now. And I know that that is not what the show wants to do. Like, that's clearly a completely different. That's like an 80s action schlock kind of setup. Mm. But if I'm those guys, I'm like, I'm not moving away from the people who know and mm-hmm. who can help when it all starts going weird again. Yeah. Because we've beaten this thing three times. I have reason to believe that we will succeed again if we just stick together. And everybody's just sad. And it just seemed like the whole reason the season was finished that way was just so we'd all be sad and... And Wonder so, what the future held. And you know, the first episode of season four is just going to be that I, like they're going to have to write reasons why they all get the band back together. Yeah. That's really what it's going to consist of. And so I think that's just kind of a waste of time. They mentioned early in the season, like she was thinking about moving because there's too many bad memories, which mm-hmm. I can totally get. I would probably change houses if I was her. Um, yeah. Because there'd be too many bad memories. Um, and I appreciated that like Bob... <laughs> Contrary to my expectations, but like Bob, she really loved him. Yeah. And it impacted her and yeah. it lingered. I, I, I like that. I'm yeah, like I you. Too. I wouldn't move to not Hawkinsville yeah. over it. But yeah, maybe mm. new new part of town. Sure. Um, I'd probably do that. But like, I'm not moving away from those guys because they're the best chance you got. Yeah. They know, they know what's going on. They're paying attention. 
Um, and I know that it's just a bunch of kids mostly, but you've also got, I mean, there's a few, there's a handful of adults that know what's going on and I don't know. It just seems like that that's your security is those people. It's not moving away because the mind flare is going to find a way to open the door wherever you're at, or yeah. he's going to send a thing there or whatever. And, uh, or the shady government who knows yeah. y'all were involved. Like, I mean, you, where are you going to go? Yeah, North she's Pole? got a living now. Yeah. People are going to be looking yeah. for a living. Um, so, yeah, that bugged me. And it was just like, this is the whole time that they were like doing that tearjerker thing at the end of that episode. I was just like, why are they moving? Yeah. I mean, they finished it. They beat this thing now. Uh, I mean, just being sad doesn't seem like sufficient reason for me to move if I'm like, my kid will get picked off if he's by himself. See, moving seems like the knee-jerk reaction that you have coming out of it. And that's why the three months later— season. Well, I just feel like if Joyce had already had a buyer on her house Mm -hmm. and she had put uh, an offer that got accepted on another one, Mm -hmm. and this all goes down, maybe she moves there because she hadn't had time to think about it. Mm -hmm. But as I say, I'm two minds of this. I think three months gives me enough time to say— I, you know, you're talking about the tactical stuff. I didn't consider that. Yeah, sure. But she, her son, Will, mm-hmm. has been through a deeply traumatic experience. And his social support system, for her as a single mom, mm-hmm. is, yes, his older brother, but these kids who he's deeply bonded with. Yeah, in a kind of way that's not going to be replicatable. And, 100%. Yeah. And then it looks like she has custody of Eleven now. Yeah. Eleven's very much the same deal. Like, Eleven's literally never known another group of people. Yeah. These people deeply love her. And she loves them. You're going to pull them mm-hmm. away from that, and that's where I was like, as a dad, a caregiver, I'm like, no, you just don't make that decision with three months of reflection. Yeah, you decide. Now nah, we've got a support system here. I think it would be really cool if they started season four. If like the first episode, let's let's assume that they didn't move away at the end of this one. They start season four, and like the first season, the first episode is like Dustin checking in on the radio. He's like, hey guys, how's it going? And it's like a lookout tower, <laughs> yeah. and they're like watching the institute building, and it's like they rotate who goes up there for like an hour a day to make sure there's no activity and they just like you know it shows them they've all got like a closet full of improvised weapons and they're checking in with each other and they're like patrolling and it's just very clear that they've kind of shifted gears from like we're these little kids who've just had this stuff happen to us into like we're now the guardians of hawkins and yeah. like we're the only ones who know and we have to stick together and pay attention and um, like, you know, somebody hits a button and a little red light starts blinking and they all look to the corner of their room and it's see like a back cave. Yeah, they like they like rigged up a little alert system or something funny like that. Yeah. I think it would be kind of neat to see them change into that. And then the, and then the threat rise commensurate with their level of preparedness. So sure. like, they're all ready for another monster. But next time it's something completely different that they don't they're not prepared for. Yeah, like the Russians have partnered with the evil intelligence in the upside yeah. down. Like somehow they've made contact. Yeah. And they've got like some for, for some reason their preparations are for naught, but it shows that they're like they're not stupid movie characters yeah. that haven't learned anything in three seasons. Yeah. So I would take you know, coming down hard on a point about like should she have moved, I would take season four beginning with her being like, Boy, this was stupid. <laughs> Everybody in the car. <laughs> exactly. Like, we're just going to go rent an apartment in Hawkins. Yeah, whatever. She apparently doesn't work. Well, she <laughs> works at like... store closed and... But I guess. no, Terry, it's going to come back because the mall closed. And, oh, yeah, that's right. The mall got burned down. Yeah, so all the business is coming back to downtown Smallville. Yeah, they need her to be the manager or something. she got to move back. Yeah. And then Nancy will be the editor because he's dead. <laughs> that's know? true. That's true. And then she, she can fight the patriarchy some more. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> My friend, that seems like a really good point uh, to tie a bow on this thing. Yeah, let's do it. So you have been very generous with your time. This is, I'm not sure what it'll look like in final edit, but we're like over a minute, I mean, excuse me, an hour 30 at this point. So mm-hmm. thanks for your time, man. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Uh, thanks for, for jumping in. Anything left on Stranger Things Season 3 we haven't shook out of the bag? Oh, I'm sure there's lots left. But uh, the final thing that I would say is just don't let the nitpicks get under your skin. If you like the series, you'll like this one too. And if you are new to Stranger Things, start with one and make your way all the way through three. And I think you'll enjoy it and be glad you watched it. It's fun. Co-sign that 100%. It's fun to kind of nitpick with people who love the thing. Sure. But you can't do it with a mean spirit, I think is the key. Well, I don't think the the series doesn't invite you to be mean-spirited about it. No, no. It's a very nice show. Yeah. All right, man. So, Terry, if people want to connect with you outside of uh, the world of this podcast, you're not a big social media participant. And so... I'm gonna I'm gonna give them the Facebook page for your your store. Yeah, that'll work. And they can meet your social media manager Wallace through that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Wallace, my my pseudo account. Um, he's my my bearded dragon in my store, so he he can get messages to me. Um, if you need to if you need to reach me for anything. So if you want to find Terry, it's facebook.com forward slash W-O-B Cookville. World of Books is the W-O-B there. Walls of Books. Uh, excuse me. What did I say? World of Books. World of Books. Good night. <laughs> Walls of Books Cookville. W-O-B Cookville. Facebook.com forward slash W-O-B Cookville. And uh, yeah, reach out to Terry there. Let him know how much you appreciated him jumping in on this episode. Thanks a lot. All right, guys. Well, this will wrap it up for us. We'd love to hear, as always, your feedback. And so you know how to get a hold of us. We're at PCCDPod on almost every social media network. Uh, We're on Reddit as well. Get back to us. Let us know what we got right in the review, what we got wrong, what we overlooked, just any feedback. We'd love to hear from y'all. Specifically, we've got a Facebook group, and it's really one of the last good reasons to be on Facebook. Uh, It is the, it's a long name, Pop Culture Coram Deo Podcast Perpetual. After party, get in there and let's talk this thing over. Uh, I'm not sure what we'll be doing for next episode. My wife is interested in uh, taking Toy Story 4 down a couple notches, and so <laughs> that, that may be the next thing coming from the uh, the PCCD pod. But I will let you know as soon as I know, guys. And thanks as always for listening. We will talk to you next time uh, on the podcast. And until then, remember to live every moment as if you're before the face of God because you are. Talk to you next time.